to the Angry Christian Podcast. My name is Brad Bates, and you are sitting here, uh, not live because we pre-recorded this, but you are sitting here right now, kind of in the ether, out there in the internet world, with Brian Baldwin, Michael Ledford, and Jonathan Hamlet, who are joining me for our first ever Angry Christian Podcast episode. Um, We've been kind of building up this for a while. Uh, We're really excited. You know, we have our social media accounts going. In fact, uh, just last night, um, we're, we're recording on a Wednesday, so just last night, we hit 300 followers on our, our Facebook page. Now, for us, we've only been going for a couple weeks and, and getting this thing started, so it's really cool uh, that we're already seeing the following. So uh, we really appreciate you guys tuning in, and we're excited about where things are going to go from here. Um, anyway, for uh, today's or this week's episode, if you will, um, the title of it is called Displaced, um, and this was something actually a topic that Brian Baldwin, uh, who's on the on the podcast with us here, it was kind of one of his ideas. If if you guys aren't familiar, I am from Charleston, South Carolina. Brian is from Indiana. Michael's from the Upstate of South Carolina, and Jonathan's from North Carolina. Now, I last week here in Charleston was in the direct path of Hurricane Dorian. And Hurricane Dorian, if you uh, haven't been watching the news and if you've been living under a rock for the last couple of weeks, um, Hurricane Dorian at a, I believe it was a Cat 5, right, guys? Cat 5? At one it, point. Yeah. At one point, it was a Cat 5 when it hit... Um, the Bahamas. Yeah, the Bahamas, and completely obliterated the Bahamas. Um, I, so, I think something like, even today, it's still 60% of the island is underwater. Um, so those people, I would say, have been displaced, right? I know that I was talking with my father-in-law this weekend, um, and he was telling me that they've actually got, um, what do you call it, uh, cruise ships coming in from like England and other parts of the world to come in and, and rescue these people out of the Bahamas, literally, because there's, there's no way to bring planes in, there's no way to really bring boats in, and the biggest issue they're running into is actually getting the people from the island to the cruise ships, but the cruise ships are out there trying to, you know, get people. Um, so that's pretty crazy. So I'm here in Charleston. I didn't get, um, you know, cat five level, um, destruction. We got, I think it was a cat three by the time it got close to us. And then when it really kind of started messing around here, we got a cat two. Um, and then, uh, that was kind of, uh, semi-destructive, but we didn't see anything nearly like what they see at, at the Bahamas. So, um, anyway, so that was what kind of prompted Brian to want to talk about, um, you know, being displaced. And, and the concept here is that being displaced, not just physically, but emotionally and spiritually, um, can lead you into a dark place. It can lead you into a, an angry place. Um, and, one of the things that Brian is going to share here in just a moment is that um, he was displaced by Hurricane Katrina, and that happened years ago. Uh, what year was that, Brian? That was 2005, August 30th. August 30th, 2005. So that was 14 years ago um, last month. Um, yeah. And that, that was a long time. He was in New Orleans, and if anybody knows anything about Hurricane Katrina, New Orleans took probably the biggest hit. Um, next to Biloxi, Mississippi yeah. as well. Yeah, they got hit pretty and, bad too. 
Yeah. So, Brian, I'm just going to let you kind of give your story a little bit. But, see, he was displaced by Hurricane Katrina, and he now lives in Indiana um, because of that. But, Brian, go ahead. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. Okay, so I'm going to come at this from two different lenses. Um, I was not a Christian at that time. I was a theist at best, and that was sort of the lens that I looked through. And as we progress in the conversation about it, I'll speak into it from the Christian point of view. But uh, at that time, I thought like most people from New Orleans did. Oh, another year, another hurricane warning. This happens every year. It's no big deal. I even remember talking to a friend of mine from high school on my way home from work the day before the storm hit. She asked me if I was going to evacuate. I said, I'm not evacuating to anywhere but my bed. <laughs> but surely enough, um, Katrina developed into Category 5 early in the morning, and things got really serious. I was still going to stay, and because I had a friend that couldn't get out, and I didn't want to leave my friend behind. But uh, my friend found a way out at 7 o'clock that morning, and my family was getting ready to leave, so I left with them. And in an instant, everything that I had ever known was gone. I didn't know it yet because I was on the road for, I don't know, maybe 12 hours. Initially, I went with my family to Tennessee, Clarksville, Tennessee. I went to visit my un uncle and some cousins of mine. And at this time, we had no idea what we were going to do or just how bad it was. When we finally settled in, we turned on the news, and I saw neighborhoods that I walked around in underwater. I could recognize the rooftops. And at that time, we weren't as connected as we are now. We didn't know what was going on. I didn't know if my friends were dead or alive. I didn't know if relatives were dead or alive. And uh, even to this day, there are some people that I just, I have no idea whatever happened to them. Not only were we displaced, we were disconnected from one another, some of us permanently. There's really no words that can do justice to what happened. You know, a lot of people died. Uh, I think it was about 1,800 people. And uh, for the people that survived it, a lot of people were left with nothing, their homes were destroyed. Their, uh, their places of work were destroyed. Their vehicles were destroyed. I had just bought a car. And uh, we left my car behind. I don't remember why, but we left it. And it was one of the things that got washed away. Wow. So, yeah, yeah. I, uh, I felt a lot of different things at the same time. You probably won't hear this from a lot of people from New Orleans, but uh, there was a part of me that was excited because... Since I had lost everything, I was free to do whatever I wanted. I, I was chained to no place. And that just, it gave me a freedom that I had been craving for a long time anyway. I wanted to see what the world was like outside of New Orleans, and that was my big opportunity. So I left. I hit the road, and my first stop was in Kentucky to see a friend there. And my second stop was here in Indiana to see my, my good brother, Kevin. Uh, he invited me to stay up here, and uh, I only planned on staying for a week or two, and I was going to go to New Jersey next, and I really didn't have a plan. I was just bouncing around the country, seeing what I could see, and I was wherever the buck stopped, the buck stops. 
I didn't have a plan. I was younger and crazier then. But um, the excitement didn't last very long. I didn't know how to process it. I would think that God was punishing us. I mean, there's there's a lot of darkness in New Orleans too, <laughs> right? So you so you least. effectively so effectively you became angry with God. I was confused. Okay. And I didn't understand what God's role was in it. And there were some other events in my life that took place after that, where my thinking was, "Hey, uh, God is busy dealing with the AIDS epidemic in Africa." And you know, people don't have clean running water in India. So God doesn't have time to deal with my problems. So that was my mindset. God was really busy. I wasn't necessarily angry at him, but it's easy to see why some people would process it that way. I just didn't understand the sovereignty of God. So in, in my mind, it was up to me to do the best that I could and uh, whatever happened, that's just what it was, and God would accept me. That was my mindset at that time. But um, I ended up staying in Indiana because there was an apartment complex taking in people that were displaced. So I moved away from my buddy Kevin into this apartment complex. I eventually got a job, got on my feet, got another car, and that was it. A new life started. That's, wow. Yeah, that's, that's the gist of what began my life here in Indiana. Yeah. Now, how that's old were you when all that started? I had just made 21. Gotcha. And for all intents and purposes, I was still a kid, really. <laughs> it, was <my laughs> oh, first all <laughs> it was my first experience outside of my mom's house. Like, I really <laughs> didn't know a whole lot about life. You know, I been um, there. <laughs> I I think I was uh, let's see 2005. I would have been oh man, what am I? What am I now? <laughs> old and crotchety. Old and crotchety. I'm 37 <laughs> now, so I, I would have been in my upper mid 20s. Um, I was a youth pastor um, at a church in Bamberg, South Carolina. Here, um, and a year after Hurricane Katrina, we actually went down to to New Orleans for a mission trip to help gut houses that had been flooded. Um, yeah. And we went down a year after what you just described, a full year, because uh, mm-hmm. it was August when we went down there. So it was a full year after after all that went down. And the destruction and the amount of just houses and communities laid to waste was still unbelievable a year later. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> You know, the houses that we were gutting, I think we were gutting two houses. Both of them still had refrigerators with food in it from the year before. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. We had to move those refrigerators out to the street to throw them away and about gagged on ourselves when the refrigerator opened up and dumped a little bit on us. Yeah. So that was awesome. Uh, (sighs) We're great eating before the podcast. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah, you you should have you thought of that one, Jonathan. Come on, man. Um, so so you were twenty one. Yeah, this place you put you in Indiana. Yeah, and, and you basically you're now 
miles away from family. You're in a you're in a new city, not only a new city but a new state. Uh, I mean, what was going through your mind at this point? Uh, a lot of bewilderment. I would disappear a lot. Kevin just wouldn't know where I was, and a lot of times I would just be out staring at the sky, wondering what was happening and why it was happening. Like, mm. what what sin did we commit? What was that last straw? Right. And where was I going to go from there? It it was probably the voodoo. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's that's one of the things <laughs> it could have been. But uh, uh, I'm just no, throwing that out um, there. The first time I went back was two years later. Okay, I went for my birthday. Oh, that was a bad decision. Um, the destruction was just as bad as when you had saw it, even two years later. At that wow. time, in the neighborhood that I grew up in, the only person in that neighborhood was my mother. All of the other houses were empty. And wow. she lit. Yeah, she lived in a subdivision that was still being developed at the time of the storm. So there was a lot of up-and-coming nice property there, and it was all abandoned. There was a new apartment complex being built maybe at, maybe a mile from where we lived, and they never finished the construction. It just got abandoned. And it's still abandoned to this day. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Um, I still remember the first time I went in that house. I could see how high the water got. There was a clear water line along the walls throughout the whole house. And on the outside, where there's iron bars on the windows, because you live in New Orleans. People are crazy. You got to have your windows barred. <laughs> Above the water, you can see where the bars are painted. And beneath where the water was, there was just rusted bar. See, so it was just visible, no matter where you were. Some homes shifted yards away from their where, where they originally stood. It was unreal. And uh -oh. there's, yeah, there's no way to describe that kind of the kind of uh destruction that hurricane caused. Uh -huh. I couldn't I couldn't drive on some streets because they it was like trying to drive on Pride Rock. They were, <laughs> it was Jeez. going so high. Yeah. <laughs> wow. I can imagine that. Um I mean, like I said, I sat here last week and I, I stood I sat on my um on my porch. Uh, on the early morning when Dorian hit and um, you know I, I watched the trees bending halfway over and losing some branches and listening to transformers popping down the road um, Decepticons or uh, other? I, I'm, I'm going to go with the Megatrons Yeah, the, uh, the Autobots <laughs> Yes <laughs> Yes um, They were blowing up all over the place It was clear that they were here having their um, intergalactic battle in my backyard. <laughs> um, but, you know, that was a Category 2. So I couldn't even imagine the destruction that was left behind. I mean, Charleston had a similar um, experience back in the 80s with Hurricane Hugo. I was not here for that particular experience. I actually that lived... One, yeah, that covered all of South Carolina. Yeah. I was, wow. It was, it was a monster. Yeah, I was in West Virginia, southern West Virginia, in a little town called Bluefield, West Virginia, and we had trees knocked over by that hurricane. In the mountains of West Virginia, which is three states away from South Carolina. 
Um, I thought I thought that was a country song going starting to starting there. In the country roads take me home. Um, yeah, dude, yeah, it, it, it was a, it was a big storm for sure. Yeah, and and so Charleston has had its fair share of 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 that. I mean, shoot, you want to talk about another destructive thing that happened to Ch- Charleston, South Carolina? Back in the eighteen hundreds, there was the great earthquake of Charleston that literally leveled Charleston, South Carolina. Uh, hadn't heard of that one. Yeah, go look that one up. That's an interesting period of history because it's after the Civil War. Um, people were trying to recover from the Civil War, and suddenly this hurric- uh, hurricane, this earthquake shows up out of nowhere, um, and it was so big. I think, I can't remember what they said, but they, they felt tremors all the way in Chicago, Illinois. Wow. Yeah, yeah to the point that it shook people out of their beds. Yeah. What? Yep. Yeah, and tremors kept going for a, some, a th- something between two and four years afterwards. Yeah. That's crazy. I don't yeah. know if I can process that. Right. Yeah. So that, that is something that happened in here in Charleston. So, you know, um, America has seen its fair share of, of God's... Um, you know, I don't want to necessarily ascribe it to God's wrath. It could be God's wrath. Um, we're not exactly... you bring that up. I mean, technically, isn't it all? That's true. Well, Brian, Brian shared a scripture with me. Um, Romans chapter 8. Uh, and you, you're probably going to be familiar with this particular starts. Uh, verse 18 and 19 says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. And I'm going to skip down to 22. It says, For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. Um, you know, what he's talking about is that, you know, the earth really is, and, and actually in another part of the of the scripture, it talks about how creation um, itself will be set yeah. free from its bondage to corruption yeah. and obtain Verse the freedom 20. of the glory of, yeah. So it's actually saying that, that the earth is reacting to the corruption of sin in man. Hmm. So sin didn't just corrupt us and our bodies and our souls. It corrupted all of creation. The earth right. is groaning in a way right. of renewal, just like we are. That's where I think these stupid love bugs here in Charleston are from. <laughs> <laughs> well, going back to what you were saying, Brian, in your, your question, in your spirit of what did we do wrong, do you, do you, do you, you know, uh, reconcile some of those feelings with this scripture? Well, verses t- verse 20 is the one that helped me to understand it. And just understanding that God is sovereign over everything. And um, John eleven thirty five, the shortest verse in the Bible, Jesus wept. God relates to us in ways that we can possibly wrap our heads around. God himself came down and wrapped himself in flesh and was subjected to the same sufferings that we are, that we have. 
Friends of his died. His family betrayed him. His friends ran away. Oh, yeah. Um, just knowing that all of that is true and knowing that this creation is, uh, is subjected to it, but God hasn't left it the way that it is, then he's going to restore it. We're going to get new heavens and new earth, and we're going to get new bodies, and we won't see corruption. There's a lot of hope in that. And that's why I wanted to point to Romans 8. There's so much hope in that entire chapter about what's to come and what we have our hope in. Right. Hmm. So, and you know, you know, as we talk about being angry Christians, um, hmm. coming out of that kind of anger, I, I think a lot of that anger comes from that, that exactly what you're talking about, because it's really hard to see. We know it. We hear it. We, we, we believe in the word. But without putting our hands on something tangible, that's part of the reason I think that, like you were saying, that Jesus had to come and experience those things. It's not that God didn't already know those things. It's not that God didn't already know us. It's the fact that we didn't attribute him knowing us because we didn't think he actually went through it. You, you hear it all the time. Yeah, I've been yeah. through it. You can't understand what I've gone through because you yeah. haven't been there. Right. That's a misnomer. It, it, there is a partial truth to it. Yes, you'll never know the full extent. The difference right. is God can. And I think yeah. a lot of why Jesus came in the first place was because that it was it was us. It was our weakness. Uh, I mean, I mean that's obvious that that's why he came. But our weakness, part of our weakness, is that we we see God as separate, which he is, but we don't attribute the fact that he knows every tiny detail of who we are. And I think people have a hard time connecting that that you're talking about, that new earth, that new place, that that hope in the future, because it doesn't it's not touchable and tangible. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Hebrews uh, 415, Michael, lines exactly up with what you're saying, because this is what it says. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. So what what Paul is saying is exactly what you're saying is that he came specifically so that he could sympathize and empathize and understand and feel what we feel, you know. Um, and that blows through. my mind because you you you, th you hear Brian and and what he went through, and he's one story out of millions. Yeah. That that dealt with with those things. I mean, we've all got our own stories in our own way, but but. You can imagine, like for instance, right now, right now in the Bahamas, there are people who are who are displaced, and some of them are trying to get to the U.S. I was reading today about how some are trying to get to the U.S. and mm -hmm. and don't have the proper paperwork and want to come, and because of our immigration rules and policies, they can't. Um, and and it's it is it fair? I don't know, but is it heartbreaking? Absolutely, it is, because you know that they are in distress. They are they are displaced. They they have nothing. They, their home doesn't exist anymore. There's nothing yeah. there except debris. Yeah. Uh, there's not mm -hmm. even a, a palm frond to hold over their heads at this point. And so that feeling, that feeling, Hebrews tells us that Jesus Christ knows that to a T. But despite all that, he didn't do a a thing wrong. I can't I can't wrap my head around that because. I got mad at the old lady in front of me about an hour ago as I was trying to get home and get, bring supper home because she wouldn't move out of my way. I mean, <laughs> you know, 
<laughs> I, I can't correlate the two, so. <laughs> well, I, I, I had to yell at some people in traffic today, too. So you're not alone today. Oh, you um, had to. You had to. I see that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, you know, if they weren't so stupid behind the wheel, I wouldn't have to do I know. that. You know? They, they really need to get out of your way next time. That's stupid. Yeah, yeah. I have to practice repentance out of getting out of heavy traffic. <laughs> Yeah. If you see my Mini Cooper coming, just get out of the way. You would just do me and everybody else. Let me tell you, if, if, if I ever move to Atlanta, just go ahead and write me off. I've, I've lost my salvation at that point. And, uh, and... Oh, I've been through Atlanta and that I, I now, if I'm going to Texas or Alabama or anywhere that has to go through Georgia, I literally take back roads to go around Atlanta so I don't have to go through it. <laughs> As long as you don't hear the banjos, you're doing okay. <laughs> That's a, well, I haven't heard banjos yet. Um, <laughs> but I'll let you know if, if, if I hear something the next time I go through there. Uh, <laughs> um, so, you know, that's, you know, that what Brian brought up there, obviously, is being displaced by, you know, the Earth's groanings and stuff. You know, the, the chapter that Brian also mentioned with Romans 8, doesn't just talk about the earth though it says that not only the creation but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the spirit grown inwardly as we wait um you know and i I think that kind of reminds me of just kind of sometimes the emotional or spiritual displacency that we may experience um you know for me i i was physically displaced when i was in sixth grade i don't know if you guys know but sixth grade is an awkward year for people um for for guys especially because we're starting to go through puberty and weird things are happening to our bodies and our minds you know and my parents were like you know what brad's gonna go into sixth grade we should move from west virginia to north carolina and i was like that's a terrible idea um but i you know i tried to kind of put a happy face on um the reason we were moving is my dad was going to seminary um in north carolina um so we moved that summer uh, of my of going into my sixth grade year. When we started that school year, um, I was excited. I was a little nervous. I was, but I'm I'm in a new town. I'm in a new city. I'm in a new uh, state. I'm in a new school. And all the guys that I grew up with back in West Virginia were nowhere to be found. So I'm I'm practically by myself. My brother and my sister were younger than me, so they weren't in the middle school with me. Um, so I'm literally in this place completely by myself and I remember my first day I walked in I made matters worse because I wanted to play the trumpet in the band um, so so here I am sixth grade guy with a bowl cut and Steve Urkel glasses on and carrying a trumpet into the building I'm brand new and what happens but a group of bullies steal my trumpet and they stick it in their locker um, and they lock it in there and they won't give it back to me. And I have class that day with my trumpet and I can't get it. Um, I finally got a teacher to give him, you know, get, get me the trumpet back. But this was uh, a problem because now I got those kids in trouble. So they made sure that I paid for it later. Um, and so stitches get stitches. That's right. Next thing you know, I find these same guys. Uh, taking my backpack off my back uh, and then unzipping it and throwing all my stuff down the hallway. Oh, man. And this continued to happen, and then they began to threaten me that they would beat me up on the bus um, or at the bus stop. 
luckily I never did get like physically assaulted. Um, but the threats and the few actions that they took against me scared me to death. Um, and I began to try to come up with reasons why I couldn't go to school the next day. You know, I'd be like, I'd wake up and I'd tell my mom, oh, my stomach hurts. I feel like I'm going to throw up. You know, that only works yeah. so many times before they take you to the doctor and you don't want to go to the doctor either. Um, yeah. So it only worked a few times before my parents were like, Brad, what's really going on? And I explained what was going on. So they took me back to school and, you know, it was well-intentioned, but they took me to the school guidance counselor and um, who also well-intentioned decided to set me up with a bunch of teachers who would keep an eye on me. <laughs> and, uh, Oh, yeah, you so, poor soul. So yeah, <laughs> sixth grade in a new city in a new state, completely alone with teachers watching my back. Um, so there was, I was to say that I hated my sixth grade year would be an understatement. Um, but I know that a lot of what I was feeling was because I felt, I felt alone. I felt displaced like you did, Brian, with, with Hurricane Katrina. I felt yeah. like I was in a world of my own that nobody else could understand. Right. Even though probably every other sixth grader probably understood exactly what I was going through. But I was going to say, I've got a, a one in sixth grade now who just brought his trumpet home today. Hey. So, yeah. But, yeah. But your kid's cool. My, I was not. <laughs> yes, and he's also built like a brick house. So, yeah, nobody's yeah, going to be messing with him. He, he, he plays football. That's like asking, <laughs> go ahead, dude. I dare you to make fun of me. I'm friends with the entire football team. Like, I was just band nerd Brad. That was all I had going for me. Did, did I mention the Steve Urkel glasses and the bowl mm -hmm. haircut? Um <laughs> It was it was bad. Oh, oh, and my my clothes, my mom made, so that made things better. Um, made, yeah. yeah. Back in nineteen ninety three, back when people like MC Hammer and um, Vanilla Ice were cool, um, there was she these made parachute pants. She she might have made parachute pants for me that I would wear. Oh no, yeah. I got these pictures of this. <laughs> I'm <Please. laughs> Wait a minute. The combination of the Steve Urkel glasses, the parachute pants. Man, that is the 90s ensemble right there. That's, every kid begs for that. I know. That the only thing I was lacking was putting my clothes on backwards and my name etched in the back of my head. Crisscross going to make you jump. That's right. Jump. What? What? <laughs> I was jumping, though, but it was because of bullies. Um, so... You know that that feeling. You know, I can I can totally relate, Brian, to what you're talking about, though. When you when you talk about just that feeling of 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 displacement, and you know, it just it took probably several years to kind of recover from that. Um, it also was I I tried to kind of trace back in my personal history as to when when my journey into being an angry Christian really began. And I think mm -hmm. that I think that was the moment. I think that was the moment really? where, the, yeah, because I in my mind I was like, I don't want this to happen again. I don't want to become the 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 kid who becomes the recluse and you know considers suicide because I'm scared. I, you know, I began. My next step was I made friends with a guy 
he was a year younger than me. He had a short temper, and and he actually became and is now a much more tempered person. He's also a professor at the seminary that his dad was going to and that my dad was going to at the same time. We lived at opposite ends of a townhome building that was made for uh, student families. and But he was a kid who didn't give a crap. Like, if you messed with him, you, you were probably going to get your teeth knocked out. And he was actually a small guy. Um, so it could be that he just had short man syndrome. I don't know. Um, but what happened was, is he kind of became my, my bodyguard at school. And so then we would kind of walk in my seventh grade year, his sixth grade year, we, we kind of teamed up and nobody messed with us from that point forward. Um, but I know that that really kind of birthed in me this attitude, this, this thing that said, you know, I don't want to be bullied um, and I'm not going to take crap from anybody. And that kind of set things in motion for me. You know, I, I, you know, so that whole displacement for me personally led to the adult Brad that had a hard time not running headfirst into a fight. <laughs> um, at least that's, that's how I feel like it, it has played out. Um, for me, that's, that's kind of, honestly, it's, it's kind of the whole reason I wanted to start this podcast was, you know, there's so many emotions that get wrapped up in us as, as human beings, but as Christians, um, you know, it's, it's even worse when we don't know how to express those emotions, right? Because yeah. for me, and probably for you guys as well, anger tends to be the first reaction to anything. So when I was displaced, I was a little mad at my parents. Then when I was getting bullied, I was getting mad at the bullies, you know, um, and I was just, I was getting angry about my situation and I was hating life. Um, yeah, you know, but there's a better way, I guess that's, that's what I want to get to as, as we progress through the season on the anger Christian podcast here is that there is a better way. Um, and that anger doesn't have to be what drives us. That's not to say that there's never a place for anger. And I think that probably will be a, a an episode down the road, the place of anger. But mm-hmm. um, I think the problem is, is for a lot of us, anger becomes the dominant um, expression. And that's when things get a little dangerous. Um, well, and, and that's where, you know, uh, we talked a little bit through some messaging about being displaced. Like I have never been physically displaced. Um, and that displacement in me has been mental uh, right. mainly because I've dealt with, uh, ADHD and, and mental things throughout my life. Things that I didn't understand back, back in the eighties, people just didn't pay a lot of attention to it. And right. it wasn't a big deal. It was, Hey, you just got to get yourself straight. Well, yeah, but when you've got a constant conflict going on in your brain, it's not quite so easy. And so you find other ways to cope. You know, you go into your own little world and you do your own thing. And so I have always had a tool of kind of keeping connections uh, and, and maintaining connections with folks. Um, uh, Brad, having known you for years, you know how it is where uh, I just kind of 
shut down because I don't, uh, I don't really, uh, uh, my brain doesn't afford me the opportunity to really, uh, fight for relationships a lot of times. Right. Um, so I go into my lone wolf world and, and stay there. Uh, it's something I learned to deal with as I grew older, but, uh, you know, being young and, and I, I, listen, I grew up in a great family. I've got, uh, two parents that, uh, that love each other very much, uh, been married for years. My dad did not go into the ministry until he was, uh, older. Actually, he was about my age now when he decided, uh, to answer that calling. And so a lot of the things in my life that, uh, that people look at and they go, wow, you know, I am blessed. I am truly blessed by those things. I didn't have to deal with the broken home and so on. Right. And despite that, that is part of my problem was I knew that. And yet I still had issues. I still had, <laughs> you know, I, I'm still struggling with, you know, getting my head straight. And I'm like, this, this isn't crazy. I would sit out and have talks. I'd lay in my backyard, just stare at the sky and talk to God. Like, what is wrong with me? What, what, what is so wrong with me? And yeah, I got to those points. You know, I can remember being eight years old thinking about where does the universe end? <laughs> You're not supposed to be thinking about that <laughs> when you're eight years old, you know? Yeah, well, and, it uh, ends at Pluto. Everybody knows that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, I'm, I'm pondering these things in my mind because my mind's going 50 million miles a second. And, and that led to, because I didn't think like other people around me, and I didn't feel connection with other people around me, and that led to real deep feelings of loneliness and mm -hmm. feelings like I didn't belong. I didn't, I wasn't uh, supposed yeah. to be. And if I'm not I, supposed to be here, why am I here? And what, and you know, if I'm not here anymore, what's it going to matter? And that yeah. led to other thoughts. So, yeah, that's it. So just uh, touching on the displacement of the mind as well as, you know, the physical displacement that comes. And, you know, just like we were talking about in Hebrews, Jesus knows that. He knew what it was to be uh, displaced from. And it amazes me. He always went back to the Father. He always went back to the Father. He, he, he needed that, uh, that emotional connection with other human beings as much as any of us do. Mm -hmm. But he knew that he could go to the Father at any time and, and be taken care of. So, anyway. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, he was surrounded by those bullies in his own hometown that wanted to stone him, right? Absolutely. I, I wish that I had his power when I was in that middle school when they were coming at me and I could just walk through the crowd and they wouldn't be able to touch me. But, alas, I I was not untouchable, so... <laughs> but his bullies did end up getting him at in the end because they they plotted against him for three years and they finally seized their moment um thankfully i can't think of anybody who's plotted against me for three years um oh well oh you maybe didn't wait. know of <laughs> <laughs> paranoid yet uh just just a little not a good plot if you know about it in advance. <laughs> exactly. That's true. That is very, very true. Maybe, Jonathan, maybe you're the one that's plotting against me, and you're just on this podcast so that you can get more dirt on me. It's all about <laughs> the intel. I knew it. And All right, so next week, uh, this podcast will not be having Jonathan Hamlet uh, as, <laughs> as, one of the, as one of the hosts. 
<laughs> I'm just kidding, Jonathan. Jonathan, actually, here's here's just a fun little fact about Jonathan. So Jonathan, um, he used to be, I was a youth pastor and a worship leader up in North Carolina back in 2000. Oh, crap. 2007 to 2009. And he was a member of my youth group. And, um, and then he went on to be a member of the praise team there. Uh, later, when I moved back to Charleston in 2009, a couple years later, he actually moved down here and lived with me for, what, a year? About a year, yeah. And that was because his then girlfriend, or was it fiancé at that point? Girlfriend when I moved in with you, fiancé during that period as well. Right. So she, she had come down here and taken a job at the company that I was at. He obviously, being the, the, the love-struck boy that he was, wanted to be close to her. So um, I offered a, a bed and a bedroom to him, and he lived with me for a little while until he got engaged and then ultimately married to Monica. Um, so fun little fact, he was a roommate, but he's like 1,800 years younger than I am. So I'm only nine years younger than you. Okay, so it, it feels like I'm older than I really am. Actually, the oldest person on this podcast is Michael, so... Yes, yes, I am. So he's the wise one. So we got the wisdom. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for that completely arbitrary. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I am completely wise. I like that. Just stick with that. Yeah, we'll stick with that. That's uh, <laughs> Michael the Wise. And th- that is his new um, Dungeons and Dragons name. Except um, I can't grow the uh, beautiful long beard. I can't do it. Um, if you want, I'll give you oh. some of mine. You you mentioned Dungeons and Dragons. You're gonna get us uh, get us blacklisted or something. Aren't you? Oh, sorry. <laughs> that is <laughs> uh, what I meant was D and D. I don't know. Can how do I how do I handle that? I'm gonna have to cut that one out. He um, likes witchcraft. <laughs> uh, now we're in full swing trouble. Now I just. I, <laughs> I'm going to be getting a knock on the door. Hey, excuse me. We couldn't help but notice that on your podcast, the words Dungeons and Dragons was mentioned. Um, and you didn't. You, <laughs> that is a licensed phrase. Dang it. Oh, well. Then I'm going to have to be angry about that. But um, anyway, Jonathan, I have you ever been displaced? I have, but it was not. Something where it really emotionally took a toll on me. I remember an ice storm when I was younger where we had to live with some family for about a month due to power issues in our area. Right. Also, we, um, when my dad had a heart attack, we, had, we were living with family for a little while after that so we could get help with his care. Oh, yeah. I remember that. But yeah. Mostly had hope and joy through all of that because we knew God was taking care of it during that time of our lives. So, yeah, I will say Jonathan's probably the least angry of all of us. Um, <laughs> we'll see about that. I have a very slow boil, which can erupt poorly. Oh, that's that's good. I've got uh, courtesy of my issues. I've got a uh, the knobs kind of broken, so just kind of zero to one hundred. So you're, you're the radiator who can't be turned <laughs> off. Exactly. 
Say somebody broke his Fuck. knob. <laughs> if it makes you feel any better, I'm just bipolar. I'm happy and angry, and that's it. There's no in between. Don't have to go that's zero funny. to six. That's how I describe you to everyone that asks. See? Oh, it's just bipolar. Yeah. I've never been clinically diagnosed, but maybe one day. <laughs> marry a, marry a, uh, uh, a therapist like, like I did. She'll diagnose you. Oh. She'll tell you everything that's wrong. Well, does it count if my wife would like to actually um, become a family therapist? Well, your wife does talk to my wife, so she may be getting tips. So. Uh, oh, crap. I can't um, argue when she pulls out the degree. It's like, bam. I'm in expert. your face. That's right. <laughs> I'm an expert in a lot of things. Uh, I'm really good at what not to do. Yep. Hey, who said that? <laughs> that was quick. Wow. <laughs> See? That just demonstrates for you how bad it's been for me for so many years that people can go, yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> I, I had that conversation with my youngest the other day. He's, he said, I said, uh, all this talk of learning from your own mistakes, it's hogwash. That I've got a list a mile long you can learn from. If you if you make the same mistakes I do, you're just stupid because you didn't learn from mine in the first place. So. <laughs> and you deserve the out- outcome <laughs> if you do. Exactly. Uh I totally understand. Well, um, let me think. I think I'm going to wind it down. Um, you know, we've... Uh, are there any last thoughts before I, I do wind it down? Yeah, I wanted to point us to John chapter 7, verse 30. Okay. So they were seeking to seize him, and uh, no man laid his hand on him because his hour had not yet come. Mm. Jesus was sovereign even over their persecution of him. <laughs> they couldn't touch him. Absolutely. His time, not, his time had not come yet. And um, that's what comforts me when my life spirals out of control. Things hmm. can be really terrible, but Jesus is still in control. He's still sovereign. His plan is still in motion. Right. That's the hope. Yeah. We don't we don't put our faith in what we can actually see. People are going to die. We're going to lose our jobs. Things are going to happen. We could lose our homes. That doesn't change the fact that Jesus has a plan in motion. Yeah. Brian, how long was it when you were dealing with that displacement? How long was it before you realized that in Christ? Before I realized what now? When you were displaced after Katrina, how long was it before you – you said it was – you were a theist at that point, but how long was it before you realized that in Christ that uh, that, that he would answer that, that longing oh, in your boy. heart as you were displaced? <laughs> oh, that's uh, another can of worms there. So um, about six years later, um, I moved from Lafayette where I originally went, Lafayette, Indiana. That's where I moved to after Katrina. I moved from Lafayette to here in Indianapolis for a girl. That didn't work out. And I spiraled out of control. Um, <laughs> that's my real displacement, I think. Because that's when anger really, really set in. Because in my mind, that was going to be the thing that made my life better. Made my life complete. We were going to get married and have kids and all this stuff. And it was just over in an instant. And I just, I didn't know what to do with myself. And uh, 
I remember when it settled in my mind that it was over. I looked up at the sky and I'm like, why did you let this happen to me? I'm one of the good ones. I don't steal from people. I don't lie to people. You know, I don't want to kill anybody. Where are you? Why are you allowing this misery in my life? And that's when I started thinking through, oh, well, God's busy with all this other stuff. And I just became really bitter at life in general. So to deal with my anger, I drank a whole lot. And mm. uh, it, it worked for a little while. It was a distraction from the anger. But I got to a point where I couldn't drink enough to qu- quench it, quench those flames. So I started sleeping around. It, it worked for a little while. I thought it was fun. But then the emptiness was showing in that too. It's like nothing could fill this void that was just growing. So I started throwing elaborate parties and just it was it was insane. There were people that I didn't know in my in my place all the time. And it was fun for a while, but eventually, it's like Ecclesiastes. You know, it's a chasing after the wind. It's all futile. Yep. And uh, I got to the point where I was just so angry at all the bitterness, the bitterness and emptiness around me, the brokenness. Now, my a lot of my close friends were in uh, not good relationships. My parents divorced when I was about eight. Um, I never met my grandfather, but uh, I heard that he was not a very nice person to my grandmother. So in my mind, you know, marriage is is just not something that we really do. And uh, we just don't love each other the way that we did in the past. So we were left with what we were left with. So in my mind, I'm thinking, hey, yeah, I'll get married again one day. But then the inevitable divorce comes and then I don't get to see my kids anymore. And then this woman takes half of everything that I've ever worked for. And I just got more and more angry. And it, I got to a point where I didn't care if I lived or died. I was driving drunk and just doing all kinds of crazy stuff. It did not matter to me. But in the midst of all that, 2000 and January 20th, 2013, that's when, uh, I knew that God had had enough with me. And if I kept on in that path, I really was going to die. And I, something clicked in me where I understood death in a, different, in a different way. I understood that death was not going to be the relief that I was looking for. Death was going to be right. the beginning of real suffering. Real separation from God. And yep. that's when I realized I needed to know what the truth was about God. So... That was 2013. It took, geez, eight years for me to snap out of it from Katrina. Hmm. Well, you know, and that's something that I think is going to be an encouragement to other people. And it should be for anybody that's listening that something we got to understand and realize, too, is that as we talk about times we've been displaced and individually, we're all displaced. We're all displaced because our true place is in uh, in holy communion with God, Amen. and if we're not if we're not in holy communion with God, we're automatically displaced, and that and that displacement brings those feelings, like you were talking about. You're trying to find other things to fill it, other things to fill that space. 
when when you were displaced from Katrina, you had to find a new home. You had to find those new comforts that create a life for yourself. <laughs> yeah. And and as as human beings, when we are displaced from the will of the Father, when we're we're not in holy communion with Him through Jesus Christ, we're finding things to fill that, to to make our little nest to protect ourselves. And and they they don't last. They they blow away. <laughs> and that's why God is the rock. And uh, I, that should be an encouragement to others because when you think about Paul's ministry, Paul did not get to work until seven years after he was uh, called. God doesn't necessarily do anything within 30 days or within uh, you know, an hour or whatever, within the, the time between altar call and the end of the service. Sometimes it takes a little while. And don't, <laughs> pe- people need to not lose that hope and, that, and that, that drive to know that God's will will be done in, in, in their lives. You, they've just got to turn it over. They've just got to turn it over. I've got to tell myself that every doggone day. I had to tell myself that today. Because those feelings I was talking about I had when I was a kid, that is a part of my physiology. I live with that every single day, and I have to combat that nonsense constantly. And there's no reason for it. I have a beautiful wife. I have a great family. I have two wonderful boys I couldn't be more proud of. I have a great job. But my brain tells me there is something wrong. There is always something wrong. And I have to go back, and I have to fall. Sometimes I do. Sometimes I fall crying to Jesus, and he picks me back up and says you know where you're supposed to be and and i i just your story i think can hit home with a lot of folks i think all of our stories can and be an encouragement that jesus christ if they can if they can bring back somebody if if jesus christ can bring back somebody like me there is nobody (laughs) you know there's nobody out there fighting you know uh i i'm gonna be quick with this but uh uh we're we're I've been watching 9-11 stuff with my youngest son today because he's yeah. super interested in international relations and politics uh, just, and things. Just to interject on that, today, by the way, if anybody's curious, this is being released on Friday, but today the recording day is 9-11. So that's, that's why you're seeing all that. Anyway, sorry. Exa- exactly. Yes, yes. And, and so the recording day is Wednesday, 9-11. And um, we've been watching about the people that perished, you know, that the, these people that were truly completely displaced you know by a horrific act uh and how that horrific act brought unity brought brought you know sometimes it takes those horrible things to bring us to the place that we know we're supposed to be to get a setback right so don't lose hope i think about uh uh you know um uh the pastor that uh unfortunately jared wilson who Mm. uh, took his life I understand those feelings he's dealing with, and I hate that that he allowed those feelings of suffering to uh, to get to the point where he had no other way out. Sometimes when you're out there and you feel like you're lifting others up, you'll lose your balance because you're you're doing so much to try to lift others up, you're not leaning enough on the rock, and uh, and it's a uh, it's terrible that people feel that way. If you are out there listening to this podcast. Listen to Brian's story. Listen to Brad's story, Jonathan's story, my story. Understand, this, these are just pieces. We're just people. And we have been saved by the loving grace of Jesus Christ. And we can f- call to him at any, any time, fall on our face, and, and just pour it all out. So anyway, without uh, taking all the time and being a dictator of time, 
I just wanted to put that out there as my final thought because I know that there is at least one person that needs to hear that. And I, and I'm I'm glad you brought up Jared Wilson. I've been watching uh, several Christians react to that today because I think it mostly came out in the news either today or last night. Um, he's a pastor out of what California large church. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Kind of looks. Kind of looks like Judah Smith. Um, young guy, real young guy. Um, but, you know, it, I, I'll be honest. I've had to fight a little bit of, of, of anger today towards other Christians who have been kind of dogging him. Um, yeah. And I think that's unfortunate. Um, I think it's unfortunate because the church, if there's an area that we're really bad at, which... Is, is ironic. I don't know if it's ironic or another word, but um, it's funny that that's one thing that we struggle with is, is, is having compassion on hurting people. Um, we're, we're really bad at that, if we're honest. Um, Absolutely. We, we shouldn't be because that's the one thing that we were commanded to have. We were literally well, told to... Well, we have to... compassion when we're comfortable with it. That's the problem. We have to that's be true. comfortable with that hurt, you know? That is very true. That's another podcast in and of itself. Absolutely. <laughs> but I've just been watching it, and, and it's just, it really, it's really, it's boiled me a little bit today. Because I've seen people I love and respect making comments about, well, he just should never have been in the ministry altogether. And I'm like, well, who are you to should say that somebody is dis, yeah, exactly. <laughs> who are you to say somebody is disqualified from the ministry because they deal with a mental illness or struggle with depression or have you know other things that that they are fighting through you know it's one it's one thing if they're embracing these things and 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 saying you know living in sin without any thought or remorse but when you're struggling through something and you know this isn't right and you don't want it that way i mean even paul said it right he said i do the things i don't want to do and i don't do the things that I want to do, um, you know, and he's saying that because he's literally saying, you know, in my body and in my mind and in my soul, like I desire to do the right things, but I, I still screw up and I still struggle and I still have to fight through those things. And the same was the case for this pastor. You know, he's, he, you know, some could argue that he, he took a coward's way out. Maybe he did. Maybe. He just literally was in a, such a dark place that nobody else, unless you've been in that place, can relate. And, and instead of casting, you know, aspersions on the guy and, and pointing fingers and calling him a coward, which I'm sure his family just loves to hear. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah, why two, don't... Two young sons. Yeah, have a little compassion on the man, you know, and, and just say... You know what? We don't know what was going through his mind. We don't know what dark place he was in. You know, uh, let's just we we got to do better. It's all I you know. It's all I have to say is as Christians, we have to do better at approaching these kinds of subjects because we come we should off grieve. exactly. We should grieve instead of grieving. We get all bent out of shape, like 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 somehow we're offended. Right. We should grieve. And that's actually scriptural too, doesn't it? it? The Bible says that we should grieve with those who are grieving and mourn with exactly. those who are mourning. Oh, man. <laughs> exactly. I harp on that so much. 
You know, huh. it doesn't it doesn't say that while that person's grieving that you should question whether or not they should be grieving. Exactly. Or or mocking them as they grieve. And I'll be honest, I think it should be extended even past those who would we we would consider brothers and sisters in Christ. That you know, when Robin Williams, an actor, committed suicide, the whole world grieved. Except for Christians who were like, Well, he is an atheist and he hated God anyway. Well, Jesus, Jesus, knowing the miracle he's going to perform at the tomb of Lazarus, grieved with the family. <laughs> well, yeah, and he grieved over the loss of, of Lazarus as a friend. He was like, he, he died. Exactly. Yep. He wept. He cried. We, we the example. Exactly. And I think, you know, that we can do better when we see, this is just, uh, just to bring it full circle, when we see people who have been displaced, when we see people who have been displaced physically, emotionally, spiritually, mentally, however that may look, we need to, as Christians, not jump to conclusions, and we don't need to get preachy with them. Because the last thing people are wanting to hear is, well, you just need more faith. Well, maybe they do, but you know what? I've had a lot of faith during some struggling moments of mine, and the struggle didn't go away. The struggle was still there, but my faith wasn't any less. And so our, our compassion meter, we need to work on our compassion meter <laughs> um, for those who are displaced. Well, um, and, and that, that correlates to exactly what we, we started off talking about. because, And that's actually the reason that I brought it up was because, you know, I'm sure, Brian, that, that you know, during your time of grief after Katrina, it, when you when you finally did get things uh, straight with the Lord, I'm sure it didn't all get better overnight. <laughs> no, I mean there was a lot of excitement going on, and I felt free. Like, the void was gone. I didn't have to feed this monster inside of me anymore. Right, and there was just this excitement about everything being new and having different desires, exactly, and different passions. Yeah. And uh, not long after that, I found myself in another questionable yeah, relationship. I mean, we were sleeping together, and yeah, I was still doing stupid stuff. It didn't change overnight. Because yeah. it's a fight. <laughs> it's a constant fight. It's a constant battle. And for us to pretend like that we're, we're somehow, we've got our war won, and we can go critique other people's wars, it's, right. it's, we need to fight. We need to grab swords and shields, brother to brother, lock shields together, not point our swords at one another. We need to yeah. lock shields together and, and create the phalanx. That means getting on our knees one for another and praying for each other and grieving with each other. Which is exactly what this podcast is all about. And kind of the whole point of, of us coming together, you know, is to, to bring that challenge and to encourage people and exhort them in that direction and encourage and exhort ourselves in that direction. Because we are not on this podcast because we are necessarily experts. We are on this podcast because... I am. We, I'm 100% an expert. <laughs> well, besides Michael the Wise, uh, <laughs> besides Michael the Wise, the rest of us are pretty stupid and we are not, you know, all that expert, expertly in the area of anger. He so. just calls you guys stupid. I'm just pointing that out. Uh, <laughs> I am taking notes. <laughs> I guess we'll have to, uh, that'll be another episode. When you call somebody stupid, um, <sighs> do they deserve it? 
but that is that really is that's just the whole purpose for why we exist we we aren't existing this part or we aren't doing this podcast because we're experts but we're doing it because we know that we all struggle with this everybody struggles with this at some level and we want to bring light to it and our hope is is that we're not bringing our opinions we're going to bring god's word to it and we have tonight you know we've brought what his his word says about things and that's what we're going to do in every episode we want to bring what god's word says to it we're going to bring our experiences obviously we're going to bring our thoughts obviously but ultimately when it comes down to it at, at the very end, what matters most is what God said about it, and yeah, and I'm gonna I'm gonna leave it at, at with with a scripture. Um, yeah, let me find it real quick. Um, let's see which one you got. It is. You ready for it? It is John sixteen thirty three, and this is the words of Jesus, and he's saying this to his disciples. But I think that we can say it to ourselves as well, and and hear it as though he's speaking to us. Um. See which version do I want to use? Uh, here we go. Let's do this one. I'll do the NLT. I have told you all of this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you'll have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. Amen. Amen. Those are the words of Jesus, and and I think we need to take him at his word. He te- he said that he told us these things, and he's done these things so that we can have peace in him we don't have to sit on our anger we don't have to let the sun go down on our anger we don't have to sit here and and brood we can actually rest in his peace knowing that he has already overcome it all absolutely all right well i think it's been a good night um you know and i say night it's it's like almost 8 30 p.m eastern standard time yeah, dark enough out there <laughs> it's dark to be considered night but we really appreciate you guys listening in on the angry christian podcast uh, we hope that you will tune in these are going to be released every tuesday uh, or sorry every second and fourth tuesday except for this week it's going to be coming out on friday thanks to hurricane dorian um so we are going to be releasing that uh, our next one will be two weeks from or sorry one week from coming tuesday so the fourth tuesday of september so be on the lookout for that um we are on iTunes, we are on Google Play, we are hopefully going to be on iHeartRadio. Um, Fancy. Yeah, we're on TuneIn, so we're already, we've already got that everywhere. You can also find us at eagerfortruth.com and you can find us on Facebook um, at uh, I believe it's the Angry or Recovering Angry Christian. Yeah, Recovering Angry Christian or the Angry Christian. Either way, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram as well if you want to follow along because we do post uh, daily Bible verses dealing with anger and peace and, and just other things that may pertain to the subject. And we also post quotes and blog articles. Brian's a writer for the blog. I'm a writer for the blog. So there's always stuff coming out. So be sure to go out and subscribe on our Facebook page, Instagram, eagerfortruth.com, iTunes, Google Play. You'll find us everywhere. We are literally like the anonymous crowd. We are everywhere. But we're, but we're not. I do have a creepy mask, if that would help. We'll put that on the Instagram page. We'll say, this is <laughs> <laughs> this is Michael. If you want to know what he looks like, you know what he looks like. Um, <laughs> creepy. But anyway, we really appreciate you all. And, of course, as always, we just want to encourage you and say that we love you. And above all other things, don't be angry. Mm-hmm. 
I want to say a big thank you to Jonathan Hamlet, Michael Ledford, Brian Baldwin, and Robert Platt for taking this journey with me and helping me host the Angry Christian Podcast. Another big thanks goes out to Simon Panrucker for the use of his song, Angry Dance, which is featured as the opening song to this podcast. All other production and music was created by the Angry Christian Podcast team. And finally, our biggest thanks goes out to you, our listeners, for without you, this podcast would not be possible. God bless. I look to you When my heart Can take no more When my faith Is insecure I lift my eyes Up to your hill You are my refuge still Where my mind is filled with doubt And I feel there's no way out I look to you and hope returns I look to you, I look to you Where my heart can take no more my face